<laughs> Yo, man. Miss Rusty. I think I'm going to get that one point without clipping out. Uh, but I don't know that it's set until afterwards, so I got to make sure that I don't do it because otherwise I just get Rusty and uh, the boom, it's Rusty part gets taken out. So I had to get that in there. But anyway, so today, uh, this is like my third, fourth, fourth podcast today, I think. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, I had five. One of them, one of them didn't happen, though. I want to say two of them didn't happen. But now I'm second guessing myself. Um, <laughs> I think I think there's been four today. This is oh, the fourth one. What's that? I said you're busy. Oh, I am busy, uh, but uh, that's because I have uh, awesome guests. I have amazing guests on here, and that's what I like doing. I like having, I like having fun people, um, interesting people, cool people, people that I can get a good message out to the world and my listeners too. And so, right here, right now. Black Diamond, how you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm pretty good. Pretty good. It's um, I'm. I don't know. Usually, I try not to schedule anything too late. Um, but yeah, I mean, I go to bed pretty early, so <laughs> it's usually I go to bed after Jeopardy. So it's seven thirty. That's usually about time to get into bed, but you know i'm up early and going and but um i don't know it works for me um so so okay so i okay so what i can see right now i i see like right in my uh right behind you i see black diamond enterprise um so i mean I think, yeah, I think it, you might be um, my sister, or my cousin or something. I'm not really sure. We we both, uh, Black Diamond, Rusty Diamond. Um, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> but uh, so what? what is Black Diamond Enterprise? Black Diamond Enterprise started, oh gosh, I don't even know how many years ago. I think it's been going on 11 years with Black Diamond Enterprise, we uh, started out as an author, well, I am an author, and I was doing other things under that. I had a couple of businesses underneath Black Diamond Enterprise where um, I would take on clients, um, I would do um, coaching, and I sold my books underneath Black Diamond Enterprise, but um, now I'm still with Black Diamond Enterprise because I still coach uh, parents, I, I do uh, parent coach. And um, now I also have a basic black um, as a, another business. So I have a couple of things going on now. So what is parent coaching? Parent yes. coaching is where I, I coach parents or individuals who want to be parents, foster parents, adoptive parents, grandparents, anybody that's interested in being a parent or that want to be a parent. And I, I talk to them and I uh, listen to their journey or the journey that they want to take and if they want to be prepared to be a parent. So we um, talk about their goals, the things that they want to do. 
I also offer um, classes. I do some classes on Saturdays where I teach people how to parent themselves because a lot of people feel as though they may not have gotten that growing up. So they learn how to get in touch with their younger self. I know several times people were asking, you can go back to a certain age, what age would you go back to? And a lot of people hit on that age where they feel as though they didn't get the things that they thought that they should have got. So I teach them how to parent themselves. I also do parent cafes. Um, and I usually do it with grandparents because a lot of our grandparents, they're doing it all over again, where they're, they're taking care of their grandchildren. They have custody of their grandchildren. So I, I take them on a journey as well through our parenting cafes. Um, it's usually the grandparent cafes. And uh, one of our grandparent cafes, I'm very happy to see grandfathers that attended the class. So that was really interesting. And to tell you the truth, it was a highlight for me to see these grandfathers coming in saying that they, they wanted to learn more. They wanted to know how to parent, to reparent, because things are different. Times have changed since they parented their children. So um, those are some of the things that we do. So then in the last 11 years, it's been mostly uh grandmothers that are coming in and, and doing that program then and it's just only kind of recently there's well, been the, some grandfathers um, coming in or as it i mean there's always been kind of grandparents in there but now it just seems to be more or we do teenagers too we do uh, teen parents um we do yeah. uh fathers who are uh, just coming back into society who want a connection with their children um, they've been gone for a long period of time so sometimes it's hard to parent them if they've been away um, say the majority of a child's life, if they went away when the child was two and they come back 17 years later, their child is 19 years old. So they want to know how to connect with that child. And look, it's, it's been about two decades. So things have changed. Yeah. Sometimes they leave when their child is a teenager, uh, 12 and 13 years old, and they come back to a grown man or woman. So they want to learn how to connect with them because it's going to be a little different. So how, I mean, how are these people deciding that they that they want to do this? And um, I mean, are, are you hooked up with um, I don't know the places that would refer refer you to or refer them to you to help out? Or are people are, are a lot of people right now just into being able to realize that this is something that they want to do and go reach out to you that way? Well, we get um, word of mouth, which is always great. Um, it's we advertising. Also, <laughs> we also, uh, we go to uh, senior centers. We go to, um, when I have book signings, I, I have my materials out and I talk to uh, individuals. Uh, about what I do um, as I'm signing books. They want to know things about me when I do podcasts. I, I talk about it as well. So I get um, referrals or calls or emails that way as well. So um, it's it just, it, it just wherever you're at, you know, some conferences I may go to, they ask about what I'm doing or uh, they'll come to my table and I talk about everything that I do from foster care to adoption to me being a parent of, of 12, parenting children myself. So it, it just becomes just a, a conversation. So that's just what I do. I just get into a conversation. You said parent of 12. Yes, I am. The, I have been parenting 12 children for uh, 
about 40 years now, a little over 40 years. Uh, my youngest is, he's 11, and the oldest will be 47 this month. Whoa. Okay. So that's, that's a pretty large gap there. Um, so, so then, okay. So when the 11 year old, uh, so was it like not long after or before you had the 11 year old that you decided you wanted to, um, to start Black Diamond Enterprise or was there some sort of event around that where you decided I need well, to do something? Initially, it, it, it started oh God, a couple of decades ago. I just was just doing things on my own, never thought about Black Diamond Enterprise or anything, just doing things, just sparingly doing it, just going out to the community and doing whatever I, I needed to do. And it just got to the point that it started growing. And then I started writing. And then after I wrote my first book, that's when I realized this is what I want to do. I want to develop a program. I want to do different things. And I just had my hand into so many different things that I had to take control of what is it that I really do? Who is Black Diamond? What does Black Diamond do? And when you look around, I'm just surrounded by children all the time and raising children and just being a around a lot of family members that had children. And, and I work, I'm a social worker. So it's just something that I just do. So in addition to everything else you just listed, you're also a social worker. Yes. Do you, do you sleep? sometimes <laughs> I get some <laughs> get some here and there wow um so um so then what what did you get or I mean with your book so your your book you have I mean did you one day pull out a you know, a notepad or did you sit down with a typewriter or did you get a computer or did you get a, a voice recorder or did you uh, take a, a chisel and a hammer to some stone or uh, <laughs> whatever what, what was your your way of starting to do that um when I started writing it was mostly in my head everything that I needed to do and it was something that I was going through at the time uh, my first book it's called in my mother's house and I wrote that book because I wanted my grandchildren to know who I was and the best person to tell them about who I am, I thought would be me. And in the midst of writing that book, it was written because I was basically on the run. Um, there was a hit put out on me and my family and I didn't know whether we would make it or not. At least I was hoping that my children would make it. You know, if anything had happened, I was gonna make sure that they would survive. And if I didn't, and they grew up to be adults, productive adults, they would have children. And I wanted my grandchildren to at least know who I was, um, to hear, to, to read things about me um, coming from me. You know, I know my children would do me some justice, but I just wanted them to know that this is what my grandmother wrote and this is what she's saying. And these are the things she's experienced. So I, I, I did it that way. And when you ask whether I wrote it on paper, I didn't have time <laughs> to write anything down at the time. It was just, what I was going through. So to write it out, it was easy because that's what I experienced. The, the, the thing about it is once I've written a book and I got it back, I never opened my book to read the book. I've never read my own book because I've lived that life. So I don't choose to read it at this time. Um, if somebody asked me, was I gonna write a part two? If I do write a part two, 
I guess I would look back into the book because it's been it's been a while that that book came out uh, almost 13 years now. So um, I, I just would not. I just don't don't look at the book. And so how did your your kids um, are your kids or you do you, did you have grandkids at the time? No, I didn't have any grandchildren at the time. Do you now? Yeah. Oh, yes, I do. Yes, you, I, I have grandchildren now. My youngest grandchild is six months old. Oh, okay. So yeah, you got, I mean, you're set. Uh, I mean, have any of your grandchildren got to um, hear your book or like learn about your book or? Yeah, um, for some of them, I, I told them that they weren't old enough to read it. I, I There was just things in there I just, didn't think they were ready to read. And some of my children weren't old enough to read it either. So I had to wait till they was at least 18 so I can so they can understand what was going on and what I meant by certain things and why I respond to this day in, a, in a, the way that I do. So they got a clear um, explanation of things that has happened in the course of my life. Um, the younger ones, I just speak to them in a different way. They haven't read it yet, but I just speak to them in a different way so they can try to get some idea of um, my journey. So I don't try to put too much on them because I, I'm not saying that it's in the past, but it's not their past. So I don't want them to have to, to live what I've been. So I don't try to bring it up as much. And so you said that you and your family had a hit on you. Was that hit on you or was that on somebody else in your family? It was on my husband and myself. And then that I had my children, I. I had to keep them with me. Yeah. Wow. And so what what part of the country was this approximately? This was um this was in New York. Okay. All right. And so wow. And um I mean, so then you just you didn't know what was gonna happen and you just packed everything up and you two your two and the, all the kids just went and um I mean like what what could you explain to the kids then I mean how did how that worked then uh, for the younger ones they definitely didn't know what was going on they just thought we were moving the older ones they um they knew they knew what was they going knew. on um they were teenagers um as a matter of fact they really wasn't I had I had one teenager and two preteens with me at the time. And then I had two minor, uh, two smaller children, a three-year-old and a five-year-old with me at the same time. And my husband, and we just took what we could and we left. We really, we, we left two homes. We owned two homes and we just lost everything. We just didn't turn back to, to get anything. We just kept going. And wow. we... Um, I say landed, um, and I say it in a joking way, so I don't mean no harm to the, to the state that I went to. Um, I just say landed because it wasn't a place that I had thought that I would live. I thought that I would live forever in New York. I was born and raised in that home, so I never planned on moving. So I say landed because when people move, they move with an intention to move to a certain location, and that just wasn't something that we had planned on doing. So we, we left and we moved to a place, and um, when we got there, um, we stayed in, in one home for uh, three, maybe four years. It wasn't ideal. Um, there was a lot of issues um, within the community and a lot of issues with the landlord. So we decided to move from that location and we found another home. We were 
comfortable in that home and we decided that we wanted to purchase that home. We got back on our feet, the kids was in school, my husband was working, I was working and I was in school at the time. I, I think I had, I only had my associate's degree at the time. And I said, I wanna go back to school and I wanted to go back to get my bachelor's. And I figured we were steady, we were straight, nothing, we, everything was where it was. We were here for a while, so let's make the best of it. So I was going to school and um, the kids were getting older and they were you know, enjoying their, their life and starting to make friends and doing things. And then um, life happened again. We, um, we witnessed a murder and we had to go into hiding. Um, but before we did that, um, it, was, uh, it was hard. My husband had uh, passed away and he was deceased for three weeks and I didn't know. And I called around to the hospitals, to the morgue and to every place and everybody kept telling me, no, 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 he wasn't here. We checked every place he was frequent, um, just everywhere. And everybody told us no. And I called the morgue and they told me that he was there. And I said, no, that's not him, he's not there. Just in denial, I just said, no, it wasn't him. And they uh, told me that I could come down to look at the body. When I got there, um, I described him and I told him he had a tattoo on his arm and they went downstairs and they came back up and they said, no, ma'am, that's not him. So I'm, I'm just delighted that that wasn't him. But when I got to the door, they called me and they said, yes, ma'am, that is him. His tattoo is, is on his shoulder. I said, no, it's on his arm, but between the shoulder blade and the arm, it's not much difference. So they said that they would clean up downstairs and pull him out and um, let me come and look. I went downstairs and I swear when people say the Green Mile, that was the longest walk of my life. I went down there and it's just like I was all the way in a hallway, like in a movie. And it just, I just kept walking like I wasn't going anywhere. I wasn't getting anywhere. That's the way that I felt. And I, I went and I got to the door where they had had a body on the table. And I went to look and I saw the top of the head. And I said, that's him. I didn't even have to go around to the body to see that that was him. But I did go around to the body and I, I saw him and he was, he was laid down on the, on the table. Um, I don't know what I felt at that moment. All I did was just thank God that he preserved him in a way that he, I was able to present him to my children. You know, for a person to be missing for three weeks and you're not knowing what happened to him or where he's been or what's going on, his body could have been in a way that I could, may not have even recognized him but he looked like he was just laying there and sleeping. I was about to push him to say, it's time to get up. That's the way he, he was presented to me. And I, I just, it, it was, I just thank God for that. So we, we buried him and um, I just didn't want to stay in the house anymore. So we decided to move. We started packing our things up. And then, like I mentioned earlier, life happened. We witnessed the murder and we had to go into hiding and we had to leave everything behind again. So we lost everything. They put us in hiding and we stayed there for a little while. And they told us that uh, we was going back and forth to court. I had to leave my job where I was at and they transferred me to another location. I was still going to the same college that I was in, but I would go to class and leave immediately. I just couldn't participate in anything that was going on on campus because I had to leave. My kids couldn't go to the schools that they were zoned to go to, but they was able to fix it so they can go to other schools. They would go to school and they would have to come straight home. They couldn't go out and play with anybody because we didn't know who would see us, recognize us or anything. The younger children just probably thought I was the meanest person in the world because they just didn't understand. And I couldn't explain it to them. 
because I didn't need for them to go to school to say anything. So I just was the mean person. Um, we would go back and forth to court. They would pick us up and we would go back and forth. And they had told us that if this case elevated one more time, the next time we go to court, we would have to disappear altogether. So we was prepared to um, have our names change, our identity change, everything. So I started preparing my children, um, the older ones, even the younger ones, I got them involved because they saw us in conversation. So um, my son learned to drive quickly. Um, I changed in my car. I got rid of the car, the car that I really wanted and I changed it in for this other vehicle that I didn't want, but it held all of us at one time and it held everything. So we made sure that we had um, cases of water. We had backpacks with uh, clothes in it and a closet. So if anything happened, grab it and keep running. Um, the little ones was responsible for little things. You know, we just let them, you know, have something and whatnot. And uh, the instruction was, if anything happened, keep going, don't wait for me. I'll meet you at the location, keep going. Um, if I'm not there, go to the next place. I will eventually catch up with you. Just don't look back, don't stop, don't wait, don't speak to nobody, you got just what you need. And um, we went to court. Um, we were scheduled to go to court and I, I told them that I needed to let my family know. And of course we wasn't supposed to let them know, but I told them if they wanted to move me one more time, somebody in my family had to know because I really don't trust you either because I really don't know who I'm dealing with at this point. So they, they allowed me to speak to uh, a couple of my relatives and I, I thought it would be quiet that they would know and that would be it. At least they knew something if we disappeared and then they could tell everybody after we were gone. So we gave, we gave my mom a birthday party and at the party relatives were crying that's when I knew that they already knew and I'm just like wow so um you know we just dealt with that we went to court and it was over we were free case was over we were free and we were able to to live our life my kids was able to come out play with friends and, and have friends and go to the schools that they wanted to go to and it was great for them but for me it was still that shadow you know that my kids, you know, what time are you coming in? And I know they were probably tired of me saying it, you know, just being at a certain time, where you at, calling them, just, it was just like that. And to tell you the truth, to this day, sometimes I'm still like that, you know, just um, saying you could at least call. You know, I try to ease up some, but it's, when you're living a certain life, you're living a certain life and you just yeah. have that on your back. You know, some people don't understand maybe why I'm the way that I am or why I respond in the way that you haven't walked in my shoes. You know, and it's not something you can say, oh, just get over it. You just can't get over it when you've been living that life, not once, but twice. Being homeless three times. You don't have an address, you're homeless. And you have your children with you. Then your husband is going, what are you to do? You to, to make it the best way you can. I'm sitting at graduation just in tears, crying. You know, and people thought I was crying because we was crying because of graduation. I knew why I was crying because I was tired. I was exhausted and I couldn't believe that I, I made it through graduation, they didn't know. My classmates didn't know, nobody knew anything. Um, it just was, I, I just felt like I was free. So I got the opportunity to, to get my master's degree in a year and I was able to go back and get my master's in a year. So I was, I, I was pleased with that. It was myself, my son, and we had four graduations in that one year, in that one month, we had four graduations. So we had something to celebrate. Well, he was graduating out of high school. I was getting my master's. One was coming out of junior high and one was coming out of elementary school. So it was a great year for us. And wow. I figured life is going to turn around for us. Things are going to get better. And it's just no stopping us now. And I just continue to write. 
and just continued to write and get more books published and started coming out a little bit more and talking more about it. And, you know, we people we hear people saying no snitching or stop snitching and stuff. It wasn't about snitching. It's just that we was in a place that we hadn't planned on being in and something was seen that we hadn't planned on seeing. And there was no intentions on either side for anything. I was more so concerned about my family and myself. Um, unfortunately, somebody did not survive that. And families were destroyed. You know, the deceased, the persons who went to prison in my family, it was just families was destroyed. In that way, we all went through something. We may not have known each other, but we were all going through something, maybe different things. But this is, I can only speak on what myself and my family was going through at that time. So that that's what we've been through. And um, this is where we're at. So was were these two events, the one with that you left the first time and the second one, were they related or was this two different? They were two, two totally different events. Even the death of my husband, people questioned, was that the hit? And I said, no, it wasn't. I don't believe it was. Um, I, I wouldn't even begin to say it was. I do know who the person was that put the hit out on us. Um, so I don't, I, I don't worry about that person anymore. Um, when my husband passed, I did not believe that that person had anything to do with it. So I, I was honestly okay with saying that that person didn't have anything to do with it. I know they didn't because I, I still don't have the answers to what happened to my husband. I believe somebody knows something. So it took me a long time to get his headstone on his grave. As a matter of fact, we just did it last year. And he's been going for 16 years. We just put a headstone on because I, I wanted the answers. I was in denial for all those years. And now he has a headstone, so I don't have to look for him anymore. So when we get to the cemetery, we always run around looking like, where's he at, where's he at? He has a headstone now, so we know exactly where to go. But the thing about that, I'm trying to get him moved because I just found out when, I, when he died, I was told that he wasn't a veteran by a veteran administration. So we just buried him. And at that time I was just going through a lot. So I wasn't at fighting or looking or asking any more questions. They told me that they must be telling the truth. I just got the paperwork saying that he had an honorable discharge and he can be buried in the veteran cemetery. So that's something that I'm gonna to have to try to do is to have his body exhumed and moved to a veteran cemetery. And um, it's just like, when is the stop? You know, When do I get a chance to breathe by saying that I'm totally free. I don't have to worry about anything anymore. Every I is dotted and every T is crossed. There's nothing else that I have to worry about. But I'm, I'm happy that I got paperwork. I'm, I'm very happy that he will have the honor bestowed on him that he, he deserves for serving whatever time he served. And then I can close that part of the book and just say, I, I, I did what I still don't have the answers of what happened to you. I may never get those answers. But I know somebody knows something. Um, and I just apologized and said, I'm sorry, but I just can't do it anymore. I cannot continue to run around. I've been doing it for 16 years and I'm exhausted. And, and my mind is tired. I just can't do it. So I, I just felt this this point in time, you have your, your marker. And um, if I can get your body exhumed and moved, then I'm not closing him completely out of my life. But that portion of it is closed. And I'm hoping that he'll be able to rest at ease. Uh, so what was it a year or two ago that you said that you decided that you were going to get a, 
a headstone for him. What? Yeah, we did it. We did it. Um, we got it in time for the anniversary of his, his, as a matter of fact, yeah, we got it in time for the anniversary of his, his death. So we um, just wanted to get it, you know, um, and it's just that I just couldn't continue to try to get out there and just try to look for his body. And you know what I'm saying? I'm still running around looking for him. At what point in time am I going to have to stop doing that? So I just figured, let's get this. Let's do this. At least respect him enough to have that form, not just for him, for his kids too. And then if his grandchildren never wanted to go there to see it, but now they know that he can go to a veteran cemetery. So, um, so your kids, I mean, they all, they all know the story now, uh, up the ones that are, you know, at least old enough over 18, but then you said even the younger ones sort of, sort of knew what was going on to an extent, like they know, well, they, they, know, know, they know grandpa's gone. Or, yeah, they um my my six year old grandson he sees a picture of him and he says that's my grandfather, so he knows and he he kind of reminds me of my husband a lot with the <laughs> voice with the way he walks the things you do I, I said oh my god so I'm not gonna get rid of you you're here you're still here with me and he's just like my buddy I said if he had been living I would probably never see my grandson because my husband would be going with it all the time <laughs> and I know he was for my granddaughters when I look at them I was like yep. He would. He he would. He he lived long enough to see one of his grandchildren. So oh, he was okay. able to see one. That's pretty neat. They got to do that. At least got that. And um, you know, and now, you know, his children and grandchildren are in good hands. And they, you know, they um and other people who might not have been in good hands are now in good hands and i mean that's i mean you've you've taken on a lot and it's it's impressive it's very impressive and then um that i don't know that's i couldn't even imagine having to do that i mean how how far did you have to travel from New York? I mean, was it pretty far? Did like no, I, it, it wasn't. It wasn't really far to me. It was, but yeah, you know, I mean, as time has passed, it, it it wasn't far to hop, skip, and a jump. But leaving New York, any place is far. Even if you go to Jersey or Delaware or Maryland, anything out of New York was far because that was home. That was my life. I spent all my life growing up family, friends, school, work, everything was there. You know, that to me, that was my paradise. That was my place. That, that was the home that, you know, I would, when I was born, my mother brought me straight to that home. I had my children, they came straight to that home. I got married right there in that home. And I figured I would die and I'd be right there at that home. Was never expecting to leave that home. You know, it just was, it just was everything to me. But I, I, I went back to New York. I, I go often. I go often, but I went back to my home. And the people that live there now allowed me to come in. And it Whoa. was emotional for them and for me. Both of us stood there crying. I didn't even know the people. And they allowed me to walk through. I told them my story. Um, not everything, but I told them I used to live in this home. And um, it just was, it was my everything. And it just meant so much. She said, would you like to come in and almost have a fit? 
<laughs> she said, I can come in. And I walked through and I was telling them what used to be here, what used to be there. And they were so impressed with the things that used to be in the places that are not there anymore. So I said, you know, at the end of it, we, we took pictures together. I came through the back and I was able to walk through the front. And I said, you gave me closure because I was able to walk through this house and close the front door in a way that I didn't get a chance to do. And I thank you for that. And um, she told me anytime I wanted to come back to visit and with um, family and I, it just felt, it felt so right. It just felt so right. And I just thanked her so much. And I told her, I said, your house is happy right now. Cause I know the sadness that came through this house. I lived it, but right now your house is happy and I'm giving it my blessing. Your house is happy. I was the last one to leave that home. And out of my mother's children, I was the last one born, but the first one bought there from the time I was born. So I said, your house is blessed. I'm giving you my blessings. We hugged and everything. So I'm, I'm just happy, you know, that I was able to do that, um, to, to be able to walk through the way that I was able to walk through. So I, I feel as though the house is safe. I feel as though good people are in there and they're going to take care of it. And I, I told them about everything on the outside. They were surprised that all the stuff that grew on the outside of the house, we thought it was a farm. You know, I said, we had an apple tree, a cherry tree, a grapevine, we had a pool in here. We had roses over here. We had this, we had a pond in the back. We had every, I, they just didn't believe it. And I said, yeah, it was right here. I said, I wish I had pictures on me, but this is where, it, and I would show them everything. And they was just amazed. I said, neighbors that's across the street, they're still there. And I said, so you can ask them, they'll let you know. And it just was wonderful. So um, oh, welcome to come back, but I, I don't want to impose on anybody, but I drive by. <laughs> I drive by and just <laughs> give my little wave like that's that's my old house. And I'm just happy. It just it makes me feel good. So that was closure for me. Uh, do you ever go um do you go back over there and you know get to do you do like any like uh talks like uh like speeches do you do is that something you do yeah i um i do go to new york um quite a bit and i i do have um book signings up there i do speaking engagements um awards um i do travel but i try to travel on my time when i know my children are in school and um we're off on the weekends or it's a vacation time or if i can get some of the older ones to watch them if i really have to go to an event but um, I'm doing the podcasting now, Basic Black After Dark. It's every other Friday, the first and third of the month. And that's with the crew podcast. So I love doing that. Um, giving speeches, um, doing conferences. So I, I do that um, and, and I enjoy it. So I do go up to New York every once in a while to, um, to do some book signings. But I'm usually up there and I come out. I don't get a chance to really hang around. As, as much as I would like to. Some people have grown up and grown away, you know, but I do stay in contact with some on, on social media. So that that's still, you know, my connection. And sometimes you hear what's going on in the community. Yeah. So did you ever, I mean, do you ever feel like, uh, I mean, that leaving, leaving New York and going out and seeing somewhere new that was, uh, like it had its good parts to it, like it was a, a way to see something else without in a really messed up kind of a way to get you there. Is in that a way ever something? I do, 
I think the best part is that I have my grandchildren. They would not be born if we did not move here. So I, I, I'm, I'm blessed and, and happy and highly favored on that. Um, what I do miss about New York is that my children didn't have the experience that I had growing up there with, with some of the things, like the, the people in the neighborhood, it, we felt safe. You, we felt, when I say we felt safe, that everybody knew each other. Everybody knew whose child was whose, whose siblings was whose. So, so if anything happened, or if, and, and either way, good, bad, or indifferent, you knew right. who you belonged to. And mostly everybody in the neighborhood was like family. So it wasn't that kind of discord in the neighborhood. Um, I think even if some of my children go up there now, they'll say, oh, I know who you belong to. Because <laughs> you can look <laughs> at them and they'll say, yeah, you got that, that, those eyes, or you have this. And, you know, and I, they may see them on social media because they're friends with, you know, some of the people that I grew up with. And I'll say, this is my daughter or son. So, um, yeah, I do miss that. Um, uh, a lot of people, a lot of the elders, they're no longer there. So I, I do miss that. Some people have passed away. You didn't get a chance to see them. You didn't get a chance to say goodbye, especially when COVID hit. You just, that just took away. If I had to be any place with COVID, I would have preferred to have been in New York because I, I felt safest there. And I just felt like that would have been the place I would want to have been if, if we had to go through that. Um, I know New York was hit hard and so was every other state, but there was just something about being here that I, I just would have wanted to have been there. You know, there's something special about New York and it's something that I do every time I go. And I know some people think I'm nuts, but when I go to New York, I have to go down into the train station and come back up because that New York air is just something so different for me, that smell that the trains, it's just <laughs> that feeling that you get when you just come out of the train station. And I just love that. And I miss that. I, I miss the sound of the busy streets. I miss um, the, 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 it's just like New York's five boroughs. I try to visit as many as I can because I just miss the things that's happening in each one of those barrels because they don't have it where I'm at. It's just, it's nothing wrong with what's where I'm at. It's just that I grew up knowing that and I want my kids to hear that and I want them to share in on that. I don't want them to just hear the stories about it. I want them to experience it. And when we do go, it's like, we just go for a day and we come back or if I'm going for a weekend, it's because of an event that I have to do and we really don't get a chance to be up there the way that I, I want to be up there. Friends will say, Oh, you came up here and you didn't let me know that you was here. And it's usually business. I'm coming up and I'm coming out. So I don't, I really don't get the chance to to be up there that way. But I'm trying to plan something. Yeah. And um I mean it is hard. We when that happens. And you know, uh I had that a whole bunch. Um, anytime I go back, um, you know, back where my family lives, like. Like why didn't you, you know, everyone else around is like, oh, why didn't you come see me? I only have a certain little, little sliver of time. I don't, I'm not, not here to, you know, it's not not a social event. Um, it's just, just yeah, here on business and just stopping through. But yeah, it's just so unfortunate, and I don't want people to think that oh, you don't have the time for me now. Believe me, if I can get the time, yeah, I would do it if I can get a day off. But it's just. The driving there and the driving back, you get so exhausted, you got to take an extra day off just to recuperate from <laughs> all the driving. And, and you know, so now I'm just trying to get one of my kids to drive, which my son usually drives me, but it's still a oh. lot that you have to do. You know, even though you're not in the driver's seat, it's still a lot to, to take that ride. 
So you yeah. know, some people just don't understand it because you get back. I'm usually unpacking everything. We're pack, unpacking my books. We're unpacking packages. We're unpacking everything we're going through. Then the next day, you got to go through all your inventory. You got to go through this. You got to go through your books. It's a lot. It's a lot of what you have to do the next day. And then an interview here and there, which I love, but it's still things that you have to do. And some people don't understand that that's, that's the way that I live now. And that's the things that I do. Um, if I know it was something and everything to everybody in New York, I know is important. But if, if it's something that sometimes I do try to make it, but I have to leave. I can't stay as long as I would want to. You know, when are you heading out? And that's what I'm hearing now. When are you heading out? I'm leaving about an hour or so. And I hate to do that. And I hate to say that. But I, I have to get back. Yeah. And it, it can be hard. But, I mean, they, they have to, you know, they have to understand that. Be happy for you for what, you know, you're getting to do. And when they do see, uh, you know, it's great. And um, I mean, so I guess to, to ask you a question about New York, if you had, like, I don't know, it's, it's hard because I don't want you to give away your secrets of, of uh, places that, you know, uh, that I should check out. Um, but I mean, yeah, if there, there's a place for, for someone to check out that doesn't, uh, doesn't really like seeing tourist stuff that just sort of wants to go and be there and just sort of take everything in. Is there a place like that that you can think of there? I'm like in New York. Yeah, I'm I'm like oh wow. Yeah, it takes like an I don't know. I mean there's probably a lot and I don't want you to give up your your best your best hidden spots. <laughs> no, um, I would love it. I would love it. New York's it, New York's five boroughs, you have to experience each borough for itself because they, whoever said this is Queens, this is Brooklyn, this is the Bronx, this is Manhattan, this is Staten Island, they knew exactly what they were doing. Every borough has its something special about it and you have to go there. I wouldn't want to tell anybody exactly where to go because you have to find that something special on your own in order to know I'm going to come back to that. Now, yeah. I know there's a place that we go and we always say when we're going to Queens, because that's the area that we're from, we go to Margarita's Pizza. You cannot leave New York without Margarita's Pizza. So we do that. We get that pizza and that's a wrap for us. I wouldn't care. We don't go to any other place. We get that pizza. I wouldn't care. We have to get it and go back to the hotel <laughs> with it. I'm going to do it. We get it. And then there's a store that, um, that was up the street from where we live. They sell these sub sandwiches. And I, whenever I'm up there, I call back home. Who wants a sub? Oh, you over at? And I'm like, yeah. So we're coming back with a whole bunch of sub sandwiches at dinner. So we we bring it back. We have to stop in those two places when we're in Queens. But like I said, Manhattan has its places that you can go to. It's you know it's just wonderful there. Brooklyn, you're gonna go to Brooklyn and you're gonna find um a, it's it's like a it's like a melting pot of all these cultures there in Brooklyn. If you go to the Bronx, you're going to hear the music. You're going to want to dance in the street, you know, so that, that's it. When you when you go, if you go to Staten Island, you're going to take that ferry. Dude, that's the, to me, that would be the highlight. You understand? So every Manhattan, I don't even want to begin there. You go yeah. any place in Manhattan, you're going to find your zone. So and there's so many different places. Even there's parts of, of Long Island well, that's see, not Staten Island, you know, like Hempstead, Freeport. Um, all those areas, 
it's just, it's New York. <laughs> so yeah. I don't know what else to tell you, but it's New York. You have to go and experience for yourself. That's what we're talking about going uh, down and taking the ferry. Um, we went down there once and we went to, what was it? I want to say Jefferson Long. Uh, there's a ferry uh, down at the end of the island or towards the end of the island it, from, uh, I think from Bridgeport to Jefferson, I think is what the- Is that now? Or no, on, on Long Island. And uh, oh, okay, okay. like like down like from Connecticut, and then yeah, talking about going and doing something like that. Maybe it's, like I yeah. said, there's so many different places. You if you're gonna be there for a couple of days, yeah, go to every borough. Some you can hit a couple of boroughs in one day, but if you really want to get a good feel of New York, yeah, every borough stay at least five days. So you can go to a borough a day. And then get that experience. And then you know when you come back, you know where you want to go the next time. You know, you may find that space. But in New York, you're just going to keep coming back because it's something to do in every borough. See, see that's what I, I was thinking too. So like I, when I came here, I didn't think that, I thought I was like, I don't know. I was kind of done with the city. Uh, and, you know, any any big city. And I just wanted to stay on the country. But then... We drove out uh, not long after we moved here in November, and I went there, and I I just felt them like I wanted to go back. I hadn't been there in thirty five years, and yeah. uh, since I was a little kid, and um, I mean, it definitely different than than it was uh, in the the mid eighties, but. Um, you know, a little different, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, it was it was pretty. I don't know. Some definitely pulled me back, and then I went back um, again, and now I I just keep some's pulling me back there, and I I there's something gravitating me towards that city, and I I mean, maybe it's a lot of people, maybe it's you know you included, and. Um, I don't know. There, there's some. There's something about that place. It just, it is. It's, it yeah. Is. It's just, I, I don't know. I just can't even begin to describe it. I just start to smile when I when I talk about home. You know, it, it's. I just think about it. I, I just I just go through the decades of going to the school there, um, playing in the street. Uh, going to the park, going to the many different parks that they have there. Um, I took my my um, one of my daughters up there with me, and we walked through the park. And she was a little girl; she was about three when we left. She is now twenty four years old, and she just looked at me. I said, "This is this. It doesn't look the same, but it has the same feeling." So I said, "This is going to be your memory. Um, I'll see it, and that'd be great." But I remember there was a pool here. I remember we used to play over here on the swings. I remember the entrance was over here. And then they moved it over here. Then you had to crawl under the gate over here. <laughs> so <laughs> those were the things. And my brothers used to play basketball over here. And I would lose in handball court over here. <laughs> so it was just it was just like that, you know. It was just like that. And then the street light right here at the park, we know that it would blow out every once in a while. So you, 
those are the things that I, I can remember and think about it and what that is. When the lights went out, how it got so scary and it was so pitch black in there, so we would run. And you would see us running from one end to the other. Some people would run that way, some people would run that way, depending on where you've been. So it just, it was just, a, it was just so much fun, you know, and it's just, those are the things that I miss. And so did, I mean, did you get to, um, I mean, did you get to write about that um, at some point? Uh, a lot of, you know, kind of, you know, even, even growing up there or before, because you said the first book you, you wrote was right. about what had happened. Well, uh, the first book in my mother's house, those are the things that happened in my mother's house. You know, some people say what happens in the house stays in the house, like the Vegas room. Well, okay. I told my experience as far as the things that was happening to me and what I experienced in that home. And, and that's how, what I wrote about. Um, and then again, it was good, bad, and indifferent. Um, and, I, and I used that book and my memory of that book as a tool for, for me being a social worker. I used that for myself, you know, just what I remember that I put in that book, you know, of, of the things that goes on in some of our clients' homes and some of the experiences that some of them may have. So I, I used that for myself as a tool. But I did write a book called 1380 Prospect Avenue. That was the last book I wrote, and that's based on the Bronx. My um, older siblings um, were born in the Bronx, and um, some of my cousins, well, many of them were born in the Bronx, and many of them still live in the Bronx. And I remember growing up, they was telling me and telling us about the stories of them in the Bronx and the things they used to do and how much fun they had, and they would name places and whatnot. And I felt a little jealous because they had all of that kind of fun, and they were so together, and they did so much. And so I just took the story, the address, and made it my own. And because I'm a social worker, I made it a place for my children who were in foster care. So 1380 Prospect Avenue, not another Bronx tale, because that's what it's called, not another Bronx. So because of the movie, the show, it, 1380 Prospect Avenue is not another Bronx tale. It's about these brothers trying to find steady footing in life and the way that they're trying to make it. But there's some twists and turns because they're a part of a system, the foster care system. And the foster care system, and it shows different aspects of different organizations letting them down. And what really happens in some of those group homes and foster homes and the things that's happening to these kids, and these are teenagers. And it's not very, it's not easy to find a home for a teenager. They figured that they're setting their way and we're coming up on National Foster Care Month next month. So I'm just trying to make that a, a, a nice event for myself. I'm doing something on the podcast um, for the month of May for National Foster Care Month. But with that book, we did a trailer. So they go on, um, they go on my uh, website, authorblackdiamond.com. They'll also find my website and they'll see the trailer on there and they'll see a whole bunch of other things that I do on there. So I do have to update it because it's been it's been a while since I've updated it. But um, that's where they'll find the trailer. And we did the trailer um, right around COVID, and we wanted to do a movie, but COVID hit, and we just we had to stop. We just couldn't continue to film 
but uh, I'm looking forward to, to trying to get it done as a movie because it, it, if you look at the trailer, it's, it's really interesting with the things that happen and Prospect Avenue is actually in the Bronx. That's where it happened, but we was able to shoot it at a place called Prospect Avenue where I'm at. So we did find Prospect Avenue here. So we was able to use the sign oh. and the picture and it, it was just by luck and by chance that we was able to do it. So I was able to write um, that book on, on um, what I got out of what my family was telling me and the stories that they did and the names of the places. So the places are there, people may recognize them, but none of these characters are real. They're not real. It's just who I envisioned to be there and the way that I wanted them to act. Are the kids that you're working with, um, or any of them, are you showing them the book or is it? No. I, I Is it too, too uh, much for them? The children that I work with, as far as with my job, that's a conflict of interest. So I don't share that. Some of them do know that I do write, but um, I will never sell them a book. Um, if they happen to purchase a book someplace out there and they told me that they purchased it, that would be, that would be nice for them. But I don't go and say, here's a book for you to read. I, I, I work right. for an organization, a nonprofit organization. So I'm very careful with who I speak to as far as my podcast, um, who I speak to um, with my uh, parent cafe. I, I just have to be really careful. So I try to do things outside of where I live. Um, and I like to do a lot of things in the neighboring states. And of course, I, I love going to New York and, and getting information and coming back and, and writing and everything. So that's uh, some of the things that I do. I did have um, somebody that connected with me and they're in India and um, they, I was invited to go, but we um, went into COVID. So I, I couldn't go, but we were talking about adoption and um, what it's like in India. And I've learned so much, Whoa. the big difference and the difference in the culture and how we go about things. And it, it just, it was amazing. It was amazing. So it, it taught me a lot. Is that something you're still wanting to do if the uh, opportunity arises now or to go over to yeah, India? Yeah, I, I really would. I, I still want to stay connected. Um, I do speak uh, occasionally um, with, with individuals there. And I definitely want to stay connected. They were working on a project they wanted me to work on them with. So I, that's something I really want to do. Um, as children, no matter where they come from, it's important for me to make sure that every child has a home or loving family that they could call home or they can live with. I wrote the uh, Stacey F series on children's books on foster care and adoption. So I was able to do a series of books on um, foster care and adoption. So I, I was very pleased with that. And that came out before my, my last book. So um, foster care and adoption, it just has my heart. You know, people ask, Have you, are you a foster child? Have you ever been? No, I haven't. But I did mention to you that I have 12 children, but all of them are not my biological. They're not biological. Yeah. And I, I usually get people with that, like, oh, you have 12 kids. I'm like, yep, I parented 12 children. I didn't give birth to 12 children. So uh, the this, this story came about in the journey of, of, of some of these kids. So I, I just wanted to them to get an understanding of, of how things came about for them in their journey. So uh, that's the reason why I wrote that book. And I just try to stay connected and, I just love doing what I do. So you said that was a children's book? Yeah, there's um she named Stacy. Yeah. Um a temporary home for Stacy. Stacy F My Forever Mommy and Stacy F Coloring Book, Coloring and Activity Book. So there's there's four books in the series. 
And, uh, and it's probably for adults because some adults don't understand the foster care system. So they can read that book. It's also for social workers to engage with children as they're removing it. Well, I don't want to say remove, I'll say separating the children from their families so they can use those books to engage the children. Um, because these children can look and see that Stacy's journey is similar to theirs. The book is written in a generic way. So this way, any child that's entering in foster care, whether they're coming through foster care because their parent is deceased, whether the parent is incarcerated for abuse, neglect, you can use those books as a tool. So I made it easy in that way for people who or individuals who um, would like to be a foster parent, just inquiring about it. It just makes it really simple. It makes it really simple for them. And then I, I usually tell them to inquire with their local department of social services and, and hopefully that they're interested in becoming a, a foster or adoptive parent. And so, um, so it's, it's, I mean, it's quite a process to be able to be a, a foster, um, a foster parent, is that right? It's well, the first thing is, the, the first process I would say is knowing yourself, knowing that this is something that you want to do, that you know in your heart that you have the space in your heart and in your home to bring this child into your home and to treat them like family, even if it's temporary, even if the child is going to be there for a day or for a lifetime, which we hope that does not happen. But some children, they come in at a certain age and they don't leave until they're, they're at the age of majority, 18 or 21 years of age leaving. So we, we, we really need foster parents. We really want to have permanent homes. The permanent home would prefer, preferably be with their biological parents, but sometimes the children can't go back home. And sometimes they, we can't find biological family members. Or sometimes, unfortunately, biological family members are not interested in adding their relative to their home. So we hope that the community would be able to be that village for that child and be able to bring that child in. And so they have to go to classes. They, they have to have the space in their home. They have to understand these children. They, they have to be involved with schools with them, with doctor's appointments. You have to make sure that you can do that. You have to make sure that they, they're being a part of your family and, and not treated any different. So it, it takes a lot. And, and that's what I go through with my, um, my parenting, my coaching, in my parent cafe. So a lot of those questions come up. We do a lot of activities in the parent cafes. So it's it's just whatever person needs, but I really enjoy doing the um, unpack your mindfulness, which is what I do on some Saturdays. And that's where people learn to parent themselves. And I've done it for myself. That's why I started with that program because I said I needed to parent myself. And sometimes I look at my materials and go through it and see if I'm still parenting myself. You know, not to say I whether I had a good life or a bad life, but sometimes I feel like maybe that one little thing may be missing. And it's not to say that my parents didn't give it to me, but that's maybe I'm being selfish. Maybe that's what I wanted, but they just never knew because maybe I never said anything. So I'm able to parent myself in that way and understand myself a little bit better. So it works for me and I'm hoping that it'll work for others as well. Yeah. Well, okay, that's great. And thank you so much for coming on and getting to share your stories and you know having everyone be able to get to learn from what's happened and I, I hope some people out you know 
out listening are, you know, going to think about foster care and um, helping out. I mean, there's a, I have a friend in Cincinnati and him and his wife are, you said, you said something about the village um, and they they work with a nonprofit called Be the Village and uh, with, with the foster care uh, and they're both they're both foster parents. And um, I mean, yeah, it's really something that doesn't seem to get a lot of attention is, I mean, it's great that there's, you know, a month dedicated to it. Cause it's definitely something that needs to be addressed and it definitely takes more than a day. And it's a big enough, um, you know, existence in the, in society of something that really needs to be looked at and kind of, I mean, yeah, help out how you can. And so, yeah, I guess that's really pretty admirable. And I, yeah, I appreciate that. And um, yeah, if anyone has any questions or anything, they can, how can people get a hold of you? I'm on Facebook on under author Black Diamond. Black is spelled B-L-A-Q-U-E Diamond. I'm also on Instagram under Black B-L-A-Q-U-E 434. Twitter is Black Diamond 03. And if you go on LinkedIn, I'm on LinkedIn as Black Diamond as well. And you can look on my um, website. I will be updating it. Uh, authorblackdiamond.com. It's been a while. I I'm sorry. I don't mean to yeah. blame it on COVID, but it's just once that hit, I just wasn't thinking about doing anything, just thinking about surviving. Or you can even check me out on my um, podcast, the first and third Fridays of the month at 8 p.m. It is Basic Black After Dark. Basic Black After Dark. Um, okay, excellent. Um, yeah. So yeah, thank you so much. Uh, Black Diamond. Do I do I call you Black Diamond? Do I call you Black? Uh, do I call you Black right? Diamond? Okay. <laughs> um, I like it. And I, I, yeah, it's, it's a great name too. And so, um, thank you so much. Thank you for having yeah, me. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. You're very welcome. And thank you. Uh, I was great talking with you. I, I've enjoyed it. And I've, yeah, I mean, I've enjoyed everyone that um that's part of uh the crew podcast i mean it's been oh, yeah it's a wonderful crew yeah More just everyone i'm like it. okay well yeah yeah i might need to i have a i have my own uh pod or broadcasting network uh but i i do love uh doing some you know uh, cross-promoting networking uh get getting to ha- have the time with with everyone here and um yeah and so um yeah thank you thank you thank you and thank you everyone for listening thank you and that is the show man